0: Welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. All right. Welcome, Awakening Church. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new, my name's Ryan. We're absolutely thrilled to have you join us. This morning we're continuing a little two-part series called Above and Beyond, but if you've been around, you know it's more than a series. And so how many of you were here last year for our Above and Beyond campaign? I just want to see a raise of hands. Okay, so that's like, just keep them up real quick for me. Okay, amazing. Thank you, guys. That's super helpful. So here's what I know right now. We are celebrating something that is incredibly significant in the life of our church, And what I know right now is about 50% of us have no idea about it. We weren't a part of that. And that's okay. That's an incredible thing. Our church has grown tremendously over the last year. And so what we want to do this morning is have a time where we celebrate, we look back at what God has done and is doing, and then we look forward and dive in, okay, God, what do you have for us? Uh, But I recognize that one, there's some people who are brand new today, and as I'm going to talk about this above and beyond campaign, this is a moment for you to just sit back, relax, and just go, oh cool, these are some things this church is a part of, this is not that part, there's going to be part of the sermon that's going to be right for you, but this is just for me to see what's going on. Uh, for those of us that has been a part of it, this is going to be an exciting time because you're going to hear some updates of like, oh, wow, isn't this amazing of what God's doing through our generosity together? And for others, it's this moment where you've been traveling with us and we're like, I want to partner with you in this season. So what I want to do, though, to help get us all on the same page is just talk about what the Above and Beyond campaign was and update us. And if you got your notes, you can follow along in there. But for many of us, we just need to know what's going on, like above and beyond. What is this? Last year, this was historic. This was amazing. We kicked off a two-year campaign to raise $1.5 million above and beyond our regular giving to strategically position us for what God has next. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this was a scary big step of faith for us. This was one of those moments as a leader, you know, our church is about 60% single, 60% between 20 and 30 years of age. We're a 7-year-old then 6-year-old church plant. Yes, we still use that word church plant because we're still in a high school. And we're like, okay, could we even do this? I mean, that number feels big, doesn't it? It feels to me from where I my vantage point, it feels impossible. And it's one thing to be the leader and go, hey guys, here we go, you know, and going, will anybody go with us, right? And so we're just wrestling and dreaming, and what you need to know is this didn't come off a whim. This came off of about a year of strategic planning and praying and developing and then sharing with our church And so last year, this is actually the anniversary of like the Commitment Sunday where we said, hey, we're all in as a church. And so last year, Commitment Sunday, as a church, we pledged $1.3 million above and beyond what we regularly give. Now, I'm going to give you a few cues. There's a few moments throughout the service where you cheer or clap. That's one of them. And so then we'll get on. and then there's this tension of like, okay, we, everyone pledged, will, will we actually follow through on this? Will this actually happen? And here was so phenomenal is as of today, this moment, we have just shy of $800,000 already came in in one year. Isn't that incredible? And so it's one of those humbling things as we sit back and go like, oh, my goodness, wow, God. You have been so faithful and so good. So we kind of wrestle, and maybe you don't know, like above and beyond, well, what will we accomplish with this $1.3 million? Um, It's really about above and beyond about a catalyst for next-level impact for us as a church. How do we take and go above and beyond what we're regularly able to do? And so there's two big areas. Uh, 20% is about going local and global impact. How can we be more generous as a church? How can we unleash extravagant generosity here in the Bay and around the world? How can we be more generous than we've ever been? And we've been uh, intentionally, strategically, and systematically generous as a church, but we wanted to take it even further. And so 20% goes to local and global impact. 80% goes to a long-term location. Now, just think about this. This year, above our regular giving, so in our general budget, 10% right off, goes outside the doors of our church. In fact, we are able to support incredible ministries. There's a ministry called uh, Called Up. Uh, It's a uh, a college campus ministry towards athletes. And I got to be there this past Thursday. Whitney Fioc leads that and her family. It's amazing. So we support them. We support crew. And I know there's a few crew students in here as well. That was so close. I was so close. I mean, you were right there. I was with you. I, I'm so glad you showed up. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I called out crew, and they're like, yeah, no, we're we're just not going to show up. No, you did it. You, you showed up good, and, and we're able to support so many different places and be generous that way, but with Above and Beyond this year, we'll give or, RA have given $130,000 outside our doors to local and global. Next year, we'll give another $130,000. Last week, I talked about this. This is really fun. If you weren't here, I showed where this $130,000 went this year. So, Global Haiti, for some of you, you're going to go to Haiti. You're going to see our ministry partners, UCI, and the incredible work they're doing there. Uh, $20,000 went to providing clean drinking water, building wells locally. $50,000 uh, is intentionally uh, for the fight against human trafficking. And so we're partnering with a couple ministries. Foster to the Bay is one of them. If you want to get uh, after human trafficking as far as the long-term play, it's engaging in the foster care system. And so we're developing this partnership, and you'll hear more about that in the weeks and months to come uh, with Foster to the Bay. And then 20000 to Advent Group Ministry, an incredible ministry And they're building right now a safe house for uh, those that are being uh, rescued out of being trafficked. And we're partnering to help them uh, with this safe house. And that's exciting. And when you think about a catalyst for next level impact, I'm like, that's amazing. That above and beyond our regular, this last year we gave over $90,000 outside our doors, plus another $130,000 with this seven-year-old church plant filled with a lot of 20-year-olds. That's awesome. Way to go, church. But for those who weren't a part of the process last year, you might be wondering, why a long-term location? Uh, This is pretty fantastic, and I'd agree, and we'll talk more about Del Mar and the way God's opened up doors for us to be a uh, minister here. But why a long-term location? Well, first, we do not just want a building. We want a strategic training center to raise up the next generation of world changers. We want a strategic cha- training center. When we think about a building, it's not an ends, it's not a goal, it's a tool. It's a resource to help us accomplish our vision of awakening this generation to new life in Christ. Well, how does it help us accomplish our vision? One, it better positioned us to accomplish it. In fact, our leadership council, we've been sitting together for the last many months wrestling with this. What will awakening look like in three years? Like, like, in three years is our 10-year birthday. Going like, okay, at, at year 10, what kind of church do we want to be? Like, we don't want to move anywhere accidentally. We want to go there intentionally. And so let's prayerfully envision envision in three years what does it look like. And we've come up with a few things. One of them is this. Awakening in three years is a place where people are daily stepping into new life with Jesus. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to be a church where you're going, like, every single day of the week, someone's coming to know Jesus. Like, our awakening is not just a nice and cool name. It's a reality of what's happening in this church. Like, we want to be that kind of church in three years, which, by the way, you need more space to disciple people. You need more classrooms. You need more uh, space to do trainings along those lines. Uh, We also want to make a noticeable impact in our city through expressions of compassion, we, we want to go, man, the city, San Jose, Santa Clara, what Campbell, they care that awakening exists. They go, man, we have a problem. We're going to ask this church because we know they'll show up and they unleash extravagant generosity. And, and here's the challenge where we're at. We spend an inordinate amount of time and resources and hours setting up. We have a set-up crew on Saturday. We have a set-up crew on Sunday mornings. We have a teardown crew. We have so many adjusting things when it comes to this space. We're not sure when we have it, and it can change. Like, all summer long, we didn't have our, um, our gym, and it just was like, yeah, it's going to be under construction. Like, well, that's where we do so much of our kids. We've had different things along those lines, and it's constantly adjusting, so we'll spend a lot of energy trying to troubleshoot something, figure it out, and do we need to rent another space, and then it works out, and all those sort of things. And so you just think about if we could leverage all that energy and go, how how can we make an impact in this city? If we leverage all those hours of people serving, which is fantastic and I'm so grateful for, and go, how can we make an impact in this city? That's why I think a, a, a long-term location better positions us to accomplish the vision. We said it this way, we want to be an everyday church, not just a Sunday church. We don't want to just show up, see the show, go home. We want to be a community that's doing life together, that's worshiping together, that's growing together, that's serving together. And you have this central hub that is this launching pad or lighthouse for the city. And what we talked about even with School of Faith, of being a strategic training center, raising up the next generation of world changers. Where we look in this room, and I said, I don't know if it was two or three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago. Like what I see in this room is a room full of different makers, world changers, the leaders, and we want to help equip you. What we find is we keep running out of space to do that. Isn't that a good problem? Like, like I remember in the early days when we started waking I don't know if anybody's going to show up. And then now we're doing trainings and we're like, we don't have enough space to do all of that. That's the reason we're looking at a, a long-term location. Why a group of us stepped out a year ago and said, we're going to give above. We're going to give above and beyond what we normally give. So we can go above and beyond what we're normally able to go. We want this to be a catalyst for next level impact. And it's certainly already has uh, you'll notice in your notes, our current location quickly becoming the lid for continuing in- impact, and a lot of the things under there. You'll just yeah, there's things when you look at our space and design and all those sort of things yeah, that I mentioned at the front end, and, and so this is why we stepped out on this journey um, last year. Now I wanted to give you a little update on where we're at then on this building search where are we at? And one, I want to let you know about a team that God's been building this last year. We've kind of been looking at stuff for a while, and uh, Jenny and I and a handful of other people have been a part of the process of looking and searching, but we didn't have experts. and we really This is an area when you're working with the city, you really need experts. And about a year ago at this time, I got a contact with uh, this real estate agent. He's the VP at Kidder Matthews, and I just called him up, and we started talking. It was through a mutual friend, and it was one of those amazing things. This guy uh, is just an incredible resource, you know, really knowledgeable, and like we'd be lucky to have him work for us uh, and and searching, and we sat down to have coffee And it became one of those moments where God got to use me to minister into his life. And it's become this just discipleship relationship that we've had over the last year. And then he's like so passionate and searching for us. He even brought on another one of his teammates who helped uh, one of our good friends, Echo Church. We love Echo Church. Uh, They had two locations, and so one of his uh, colleagues was the primary real estate agent for helping them find their location. So we have these incredible real estate agents, and then we just got an architect that has done incredible work for us and uh, helping us understand design and building out a space because we're looking at uh, in general like a warehouse space and leasing a warehouse space like that. 1.5 is what would go to a build out of that space, and then we'd need our regular uh, general budget to cover the lease. Uh, we were looking at a space. It was the the old Savers building on um, on Meridian and Parkmore, and just kind of the spoiler alert: someone else. Rented it before we could, uh, so. But we, it was an invaluable process because what we've had to do this entire year is get everything in place so that when we get that space, we're able to move right away. And so with Savers, it was such a helpful process and so we met with an architect we actually spent the last three months working with them building it out so that we would understand the construction cost and see uh, exactly what it is so when we go to a landlord we know okay we know 25,000 30,000 square feet this is our construction cost per square foot we have this money in the bank we know here's the lease and we're ready to go thank you very much let's just shake out right there right because we're ready to go I just want to show you something that's kind of fun this is some of the stuff we've been working on And so you'd see, this is how we'd build out, it was that saver space originally there for a 500-seat auditorium plus there, kids space would be all the way over here, a a youth room plus training, multi-purpose room. And then one of the things that you notice that was even part of our design, you see this spot right over here that has the tables, Uh, that's outdoor space. See, we found that there's, everyone's like, oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) Here's what we found we found that there's something really unique to our culture based on being at Del Mar. There's something really amazing that we don't want to lose about our community because we have a quad to hang out in that creates this overlap. And so you need to know that some of those values that we're seeing that have shaped who we are over the last seven years, we're intentionally looking for and designing that into whatever our space is next and so we're in the process of identifying a location uh, and watching okay god what do you have for us we're prepped and ready to go and so would you continue and join with us in praying for that and let me say this as we close on where we're at there's two important areas for us to move forward one is above and beyond that's getting us strategically ready Uh, And then uh, to be financially, to do the build out and have a landlord want to be able to sign a lease and go like, oh yeah, they're they're set to go. The other is our general budget. Our general budget is how we'd pay for a lease. And built into our budget is this future lease so that we're ready and prepared and able to do it. Here's what we're not going to do as a church. We're not going to be the person that sees the car that they love, that's way too expensive for their budget, and they go ahead and sign the lease, hoping they get a raise in a little bit. Some of That went a little too close to home. Some of you are like, I, I did that last week. Because <laughs> that's not good stewardship of God's money. Okay, so we're going to step forward both in faith and wisdom. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But our above and beyond and then our general budget actually have to track together for us to move forward. And so, how we are accomplishing this is we as a church are giving above what we normally give to go beyond what we're normally able to go. And this morning is a celebration of all the people who have sacrificially given this year to position us where we're at. It's really, really exciting. And I want to invite those of you who are a part of Awakening, if you're new, this is not for you, get to know us. But if you've been around three months, four months, and you're considering this your, like, spiritual home, would you partner with us to make a difference in the Above and Beyond campaign, or you'd give above your worshipful giving, all right? So that's a brief update of where we're at and where we've been And where I want to shift now is diving into uh, following up with my dad's. Uh, He talked last week on the genius of generosity. This morning, I want to talk on the grace of generosity. Would you pray with me and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thanks for meeting us here. God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning that you would show up in a really mighty way, that there would just be things that we're surprised of that you show us and tell us. God, would you give me your words, get me out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't hear it, I'd encourage you last week, go back, listen to my dad's sermon, The Genius of Generosity. And he talked about why it's actually not just smart, but it's genius to be generous. And if you haven't got it, this is our gift to you. You can get his book absolutely for free. We want to give it to you. It's on the back table, and it's also at our Above and Beyond uh, station right outside. You can pick it up. You can grab it. You can take one for a friend if you want. We'd love to give you that. But I encourage you to go back because the, the science behind generosity as do the research is it's actually not just a good idea. It's a genius idea because those who are truly generous live longer lives, live happier lives, have significant and deeper relationships. And all the studies keep developing all these things. It's like You should and I should be generous simply for the health benefits and the um, life quality of life. Now, this morning, what I want to talk about is maybe a way that you haven't thought about generosity. It's the grace of generosity. The grace of generosity. You may never have thought of it in this context. You see, grace is God acting on our behalf to do what we could not do on our own. It's God's unearned, undeserved favor. It's God working, God moving on your behalf and on my behalf to do what we could not do in our own power and strength. And here's what the Apostle Paul wants to help us understand, that when we engage in generosity, it actually actually allows us to be a conduit of God's grace. And we get to experience the grace of God, and then we get to be conduits of this grace of God. Generosity, it allows us to experience God's grace in a way we would not otherwise. If you got your Bibles, would you open up to Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1? Uh, the, this is Paul writing to this church in Corinth, and a little background on the church in Corinth. Corinth is this port city. It's a highly intellectual, wealthy, influential city. Uh, it's a, a center for trade and commerce. It's a center for uh, religion and spirituality. It, this is a place where it is, it's happening. Uh, you would if to give it a maybe a modern day equivalent, you might say it's the San Francisco. It just this church is in this heart of like what's happening, and it's a center for the cultural expansion of Rome to Asia Minor. And Paul's riding to this city uh, to this church, which maybe we'll call the San Francisco Hipster Church. And here's what he's saying to this church about generosity. He says, but since you excel in everything, isn't that a great way to like start off? Especially to high achievers. Silicon Valley's full of high achievers, right? Like we want to excel. We don't want to just be good. We want to excel. We want to be really great at things. He's like, but since you excel in everything, you're like, okay, thank you. I'll listen to what's next. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, um, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. Ooh. Did you think about that? That it's actually a grace that you can excel in and partake in this God working in you and through you to do what you could not do on your own, like that you would excel in this grace of generosity. Well, where does the motivation come from? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who? That though he was rich. And by the way, that's one of the biggest understatements of the century. Jesus Christ, though he was rich. Yeah, no, no. No, he was rich. I go, what do you mean? Um, Hello, God of the universe owns it all, created it all, who dwells in inapproachable light. He, He is the God of glory. That one, rich, yeah, I'd say so who was rich, yet for your sake became poor, who stepped out of heaven into earth. Why? So that through his poverty, you might become rich. The grace of generosity. See, generosity positions us Generosity positions you to experience the grace of God in a way you could not otherwise. Why? Because you are embracing and receiving the extravagant generosity of God. The gospel is the extravagant generosity of God. It's all about Him giving for your benefit, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. See, what we miss out is when we are not generous, we miss out on experiencing the fullness of God's grace in our life. Here's the picture. It's not that you have somehow a limited amount of grace flowing to you. It's just that our generosity acts like this ability for us to be a conduit in experiencing the fullness of His grace. Um, So I... uh, My back sink in my bathroom was not working well. In fact, it hasn't been working right for a long time. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when this started. It's been a long time, but we had, you know, turn it on, and it flows, like, sparsely. But eventually, the last few months, it's been, like, at a dribble. Like, really hard to brush your teeth, you know? You get it underneath there, you're like waiting for the, like, the drops to come on. You brush your teeth, and you're like, okay. And then I put my hands underneath there, and I'm like, this takes forever to fill up your hands. It's amazing how nasty a sink can get quickly when you don't have water flowing around it. It was just like, you're like, oh, my gosh, because we can't, like, wash it around. And so it just have this, this, you know, faucet that's just, there's no water coming out. And I look underneath and I go check it out. I'm like, okay, the, the pipes are all open. What in the world is going on? Why do we have no water? And then I learned that there is this thing called an aerator. Now, an aerator actually is what ha- it go- goes at the end of your faucet. It actually helps you to save water so it doesn't pour out all the water at once. Well, our aerator over the years had gradually gotten clogged. See, I had unlimited access to a flow of streams of water. But there was something that was clogging it, so all I got out was a dribble. And it just was this little, piddly, ugly, wonderful, terrible dribble. And I'm just going like, why can I not get any water out? Go down to the supply, you know, hardware supply store, get an aerator, put it in, and all of a sudden it's like...
1: Poof.
0: I kid you not, every day for the last week, I go in, I'm like, Jenny, watch. Water! I'm like, this is amazing. I go to brush my teeth, I'm like, I feel bad. I'm like, no, no, we gotta save water, gotta turn that off. You know, I'm like, It just keeps going. And I put my hands underneath there and it like overflows. And you can keep your sink very clean if you have a steady flow of water. The issue, friends, was not the supply. The issue was there was something that was clogging the flow. Our generosity becomes that aerator that either it is clogged up, and when we are not generous, we are not conduits of His grace. You have an unlimited supply of God's grace pouring to you and through you. But the question is, will you be the aerator that allows it to pass through you? Generosity is what is the condition upon which we either are clogged up or allow it to flow flee- freely through us. And here's why we set it as a church. We believe the church should lead the way in unleashing extravagant generosity to a hurting and broken world. Why? Because we have an extravagantly generous God. Though he was rich, became poor for our sake. Like the church should be an aerator that just allows the grace of God to flow. Like you don't, you're not a dam. You just don't get it for yourself. You just allow it to flow through you to a hurting and broken world. That is who we are called to be. In fact, we thought about this from day one as a church here at Del Mar. We said it this way, that Del Mar is more than a place to meet, but a people to love. It's amazing what happens after seven years of faithfully loving a school with no strings attached in the name of Jesus. The the level of um, relationship, rapport that we now have, Del Mar, their faculty, their administration, they call us when they have an issue. In fact, uh, one person called us a couple weeks ago and said, hey, we have these AVID students that are applying for colleges, and this is their first year, first generation applying for college in their family. They can't afford the application fee. It's $70 for California to apply. Would you help them be willing to help them apply for college? Man, we are a church that believes in unleashing extravagant generosity. This is a no-brainer. Absolutely. Tomorrow, there's going to be a group of us here helping students fill out the applications so that these kids can sign up for a college and apply for it and pay for it where they otherwise couldn't because of your giving, because of your generosity. <laughs> Literally, just this week, we had the, the faculty call and said, there's one person that their family's going through and they got some really big issues and would you be willing to come over and meet with them and us and I don't know if you could possibly help and here's what I love and Chris and Nassim went over and they're sharing all these things as if they're like these really huge impossible things and Chris and Nassim going is that it we've done more than that of course we can help why don't you get us the bills why don't you talk about this and then we'll look at how we can help and they're like really you're not overwhelmed by this No. Why? Because we've already positioned ourselves as we're going to be that aerator where we allow the grace of God to pour through. We started talking through this with, um, uh, you know, thinking about the students here. You know, students eat in this, you know, cafeteria Monday through Friday. And many students, this is their only meal. When they go home, they don't have food. And so we thought over Thanksgiving break, they're going to go home for a week and not have Food, And so we started talking with the administration, saying, how can we partner with them to make sure these students have food to, to last them over Thanksgiving break? And so we have our groups working on all that to supply all these, you know, like Thanksgiving, like, uh, like food kits and ready for all these students. Over and over and over, we're unleashing extravagant generosity, not because we're anything great. We just, we receive grace, we give grace. We receive grace, we give grace. We just have an extravagantly generous God who says, man, as you unclog the aerator, you're going to be just like, whoa, whoa, crazy. Like, can I, come on, come on, come come over here. Let me show you this. Is that crazy? That's amazing. Hang on, one more time. You want to see that again? See, that's where the stories happen, friends. That's where, that's where when we're sharing these stories, it's because we said we're, we're going to be the aerator. And you get to be a part of that story. And you get to be a conduit of God's grace. So how, what does that look like? How do you, how do we excel in the grace of generosity? I just want to give you four words for you to wrestle with. And they come from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, and if I had time, I would unpack this passage. It's really deep and rich, but I just want to give you the four words. And you can go back and study the passage yourself, but four guiding words that I want you to wrestle with. I believe if you wrestle with these words well, it's going to be like me changing the aerator in my faucet, and you're going to go like, man, once I answer that, Oh son, a the grace of God pouring in my life and through my life, I had no idea it was this good. I had no idea I got to be a part of this. I had no idea. It was so enjoyable to be generous. He says four guiding words for generous people. The first two words are sacrifice and joy. Sacrifice and joy. In fact, Paul gives the uh, Corinthian church like a, a little positive peer pressure. Um, he talks about this Macedonian church. In the context here, Paul's like encouraging the church in Corinth to follow through on a generous commitment they made a year or so ago. And so he says, I want to tell you about this Macedonian church. If the church in Corinth is the hipster San Francisco church, the Macedonian church is like an inner city, maybe Oakland church or somewhere where you go. It's not. They don't have a whole lot of money, but they sure are really generous. And he talks about this Macedonian church and like how they gave to their ability. And then it says even beyond their ability, like they eagerly pleaded for the desire to somehow participate in meeting the needs It was known about the Macedonian church that though their severe trial, they had uh, overflowing joy. Isn't that cool? So I go, I'm in the severe trial, but we have overflowing joy. And then it says their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. See, for some of us, when I'm talking about the grace of generosity, you think, that's not me. I'm a broke college student. That's not me. I'm a broke... um, young professional. That's not me. We're newly married. We're just trying to survive. And here's what it is. Generosity is not uh, determined by your circumstances. It's not contingent on your circumstances. It's a condition of your heart. It's like, okay, you can be extremely poor, and it has little and nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the sacrifice. That's where Jesus talked about it this way, right? The widow's mite. And he saw these rich guys that were giving to get recognized. And so they would give real publicly to show everyone, oh, look how godly and good I am. <laughs> and then you saw this widow come up, and she gave a mite, basically a penny. And Jesus points it out to his disciples, because he doesn't want to miss this teaching moment. You see that woman? She gave more than everyone else. they are looking at it. no, she didn't. Why? Because she gave out of what she did not have. They gave out of their excess. See, this isn't for other people. This is for us. What does it look like to sacrificially give? Like generosity requires a sacrifice. Like, like you have to give up something. Maybe it's giving up your like designer coffee, your $5 $7 coffee habit every morning so you can be generous. Maybe it's giving up Div- Disney Plus. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Is that? I, I'm so sorry. You're like, we just got it, Ryan. We just got it. Right? But you begin to go, okay, it's sacrificial, but it's with joy. This is what keeps it in balance. Joy, like the, where you go, what does it look like to sacrificially give with joy? Where it's not like, I have to, but I can't believe I get to be a part of this. And the reality is, is we kind of end up in one of two camps. For some, you grew up, and it's a duty, and you do this, and you're sacrificial, but it's not, there's no joy in it. And you're just like, I have to do this. And nobody else does, so I'm doing it. And you know what it produces? It produces bitterness. And some, you're all joy. And there's no sacrifice. And you're like, I give like sporadically here and there, and maybe like I see a homeless person, I give $10, and so I feel good about myself. But there's literally no sacrifice to it. And you know what happens is you miss out on the blessing. Like what we've talked about and being that conduit, being that aerator, you miss out on it because you're clogged up. Would you, what does it look like? Answer this well. What does it look like to sacrificially give with joy? First word, sacrifice. Second word, joy. The third word is then the word faith. Faith and wisdom. And those two aren't in opposition to one another. How do you give by faith tempered with wisdom? And the apostle Paul would later on and give them the laws of the harvest and say, you know, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously and then he talks about these promises like God can supply all your needs and he wants to meet you well that takes faith to trust because you actually have to sow and sowing takes faith I'm going to take the little that I have I'm going to put it in the ground and hope that later it will produce a harvest that is faith in action and we don't we struggle with the law of the harvest because we live by the law of Amazon See, the law of the harvest says you reap what you sow, but you never reap in the same season that you sow. And the law of Amazon says you get it today or tomorrow, and if you get it in three days, return it because that was too late, and you can be frustrated at us, and, right? Because we live in an instant society. And we expect all things and all results to happen instantaneously. He says, no, the law of the harvest, that you would begin to sow. And this is what's problematic in our spiritual life. And this is problematic is is when we sow bad habits and we don't experience the consequences. We go, hey, I'm scot-free. No, actually, you're going to reap it, but it's going to come down later when you really wish you hadn't. And we see this all the time. And The same is true here. And he says, guiding word for generous people is faith. What does it look like to give with faith? See, that's even when we talk about tithing, that awakening, that we give God first. Because it takes faith to give first, not to give last. I don't spend everything I have, and if I have anything left over, here you go, God. That doesn't take faith. I'm going to, right when I get my paycheck, i go, God, I'm going to tithe to you. It trains my heart to trust you. I'm going to give to you first out of faith, trusting that you'll supply all that I need. And then on the flip side, wisdom. Wisdom is the application of the right knowledge at the right time in the right way. And we think, okay, because for some, you're like, Faith, I'm going to give God everything, and you're going to go do something dumb. And no, God didn't call you to do that. Where you'd wisely steward his money. In fact, I love the story of one of the couples in our church. And they asked to remain anonymous, and I was just asking about it if I could share their story. And last year, they participated in the Above and Beyond campaign. They're married. They're just about to have a baby. Like, big life things happening. And they, this last year, have given 12% of their income away. Isn't that amazing? And yet, I know they're saving for a house and their future, and family, and all those sort of things. And so, this last year, while giving 12% away, they were able to save 30% of their income, living off 58%. And now, here's the thing. They are not these rich Silicon Valley, like, high-tech execs. In fact, I'm pretty sure neither one of them work in the high-tech industry. And what they said was, you know what, we're able to do that, trust in God, and it didn't feel like we we're pinching pennies. And they just had this baby, and they're like, isn't it amazing? What's so amazing is, here. this is incredible, we haven't had to purchase diapers yet. We haven't had to purchase all these supplies. Like, it just seems like each month, God just keeps supplying stuff, and we're not even really like, it's amazing. Would you ask this question, how do you give by faith, tempered with wisdom? If you want to be a conduit of God's grace, if you want to be that aerator and begin to experience it, four guiding words, sacrifice and joy, what does it look like to sacrificially give with joy, and then faith and wisdom, how do you give by faith, tempered, with wisdom, I want to share one um, story of a couple in our church that have been wrestling with and answering those questions. Well, let's take a look at Dave and Catherine's story.
1: Hi, I'm Dave. This is Catherine. We're the Grazians and we've been attending Awakening now for about seven years. I serve on the kids uh, team, and Catherine serves at the welcoming team. And this is our story about above and beyond.
2: So about a year and a half ago, we um, first heard about Above and Beyond, and we had kind of chatted briefly and had a small number that we thought we would add on to our normal tithe, and. Um, over the weeks of the series, we just started um, both separately feeling this stirring to kind of pray and really think more seriously about um, what our pledge should be rather than just the easy number that came to mind. Um, and we felt like God really solidified a number for both of us, um, a number that required sacrifice, a number that required um Yeah, just really thoughtful spending and thoughtful um, living for the next two years.
1: Today marks the one year that we've pledged and Catherine, it took uh, some time to reflect back on this year and we just realized how God has had his hand in our lives in so many different ways. And it's just been really cool to see how he's really worked uh, in our lives individually and just as a couple. Um, Both her and I started new jobs um, that have just provided us with more time together as a family but also has provided us with um, better finances.
2: And as we reflected, one thing we realized that just was so cool um, was just that God not only provided, but he provided in a way that we would absolutely know that it is him and his provision. Uh, This last year, we both received bonuses that we didn't expect, we never calculated in, um, and together, our two bonuses equaled the exact amount of our pledge.
1: The other thing that we really wanted to do is just take this opportunity to really encourage everyone to really stop and think about what it means to sacrificially give it has meant so much to us is seeing how god has worked and we just believe that as you pursue god prayerfully that he will bless you beyond what you can imagine
0: isn't that great man it's awesome as A wrestled well that. As we close our time, and actually I'm going to invite the band to come on up, I uh, just have a, a application for us. I think there's just three responses this morning. And again, if you're brand new, your response is just, cool, this is what this church is up to. But if you've been around a little while, if you feel like, um, man, this is your, your home, you're spiritually fed here, and you've yet to engage in the habit of giving and generosity, uh, the first application is, would you begin giving regularly to where you're being spiritually fed? Not spontaneously. Not in this emotional knee-jerk response. You notice that we we didn't plan an offering after this. We took it up front because I don't want to ever have you feel manipulated or coerced in any way. I want you to be able to thoughtfully, prayerfully decide in your heart If you go, man, I don't know if awakening is a place I need to give, then give somewhere else for your own sake and for your relationship with God to be a conduit of grace. But would you begin regularly, systematically? And for some on that tithe, it's like, I can't do 10%. That's like crazy. You don't know. Then start with 1%. Start with 2%. Start with 8% and go from there and allow God to grow you from there. I think the second application is those who have been around for a while, but you weren't with us or you weren't able to partner with us in the above and beyond and you're like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of those stories of what God's doing in Haiti. I want to be a part of those stories of what he's doing here locally in the fight against human trafficking and this building coming up and like yeah I want to be a part of helping us move from 1.3 to 1.5 I, I can do that. I can play a, a role. it can be small or big, it's an important role, both of them. Would you partner with us in the above and beyond In fact, in your bulletin, is this little pledge card. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Please do not turn this in today. Because you didn't come prayed up. You didn't come processed. But for some, you're like, yeah, that's my application. is above and beyond what I regularly worshipfully give here at Awakening. And I'm going to take this week, and we'll have the above and beyond stuff set up outside next week. But what is it? what does it look like for me? And how can I participate in this? And where you would say, yeah, I'm going to join in and increasing the impact awakening has here and around the world. And then finally, uh, for those who are with us during Above and Beyond last year, would you take time to look back at how God's worked in your life? We often miss the blessing of God because we're running so fast ahead, we fail to stop and look back like Dave and Catherine did and a few others that I've talked to, would you just look back and go like, oh my gosh, wow, look at what God has done. Look at how he's supplied and begin to look back on how God has worked. Would you stand up with us? We're going to continue and worship.